0: Hey Guerreras, this is Aurea, and in today's episode, I have a really special friend, Abby Noraki, from Purdue University. Today's episode is all about reproductive justice and why Latinas need to learn about it, be involved in it, and also be one of the major voice driving the movement. Now, disclaimer... We are trying some new methods of recording our podcast. Both Abby and myself are a one woman team. So we apologize for the distorted audio, but we were trying some new methods to bring you the best of our creative prospects. So enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe to my channel Guerreras and follow me on Instagram at Guerreras underscore CR. Leave us a nice little comment and share us in social media. All right, enjoy the episode.
1: Hello, Guerreras. This is Aurea. In today's episode, I have a very, very awesome friend here with me who is going to talk to us about reproductive justice and why we should care about it. So here I have Abby Naraki, who is a fourth year in the sociology department at Purdue. She's doing her PhD, so kudos to her. Yes, go Abby. Uh, We actually met here at ICPSR in Ann Arbor. So if any of you have ever wondered what I do while I'm in Ann Arbor teaching math, because I don't even know how I'm doing that, I'm meeting incredible people like Abby, who I get to learn from, because guess what? She literally just learns and has so much knowledge that I love all the time every time I talk to her and it's all about reproductive justice and feminism and honestly Abby is the only person that knew that I had a Gloria Anzaldua pin on my backpack so immediately made us friends. So Abby without further ado the microphone is yours and for everybody that is listening Today's episode is mostly about understanding why reproductive justice is an important issue for the Latinx community, and why I want my guerreras to understand that they should be part of the movement when we talk about reproductive justice, because reproductive justice is not just about pro-choice and pro-life, it's actually for everyone. It is about justice, about your autonomy, and if you haven't heard about this before, you better hear about this now. Again, Abby, the floor is yours, so you maybe want to introduce yourself about how you got into your program or more than anything how you ended up choosing this to be something you wanted to study because I don't think a lot of people understand that reproductive justice theory is right. even a thing Yeah. so a- because I didn't know this was a thing so please educate us oh
2: thank you so much for having me on I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. to be here and to be talking to your lovely listeners oh it's so exciting okay so yeah I study reproductive justice. So there's a subfield in sociology that focuses on the sociology of reproduction. Mm-hmm. So what I specifically look at is um, how stigma, social norms, attitudes, behaviors around reproduction create inequality for people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so my dissertation is actually going to look at um, how do organizations and how do policies um, kind of like embody reproductive mm-hmm. justice and how does that work for people. So let me back up and kind of give you some, some history on the reproductive justice movement. Yes, please. Okay. And this is reproductive justice in the United States. In the United States. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Let's go with And Because it was actually born here in the United States. In the United States. Okay. So um, we're pretty familiar, I think, as a culture with like second wave feminism, that's mm-hmm. in the nineteen sixties and seventies, that really focused on sexual liberation, the woman's right to her own body, that mm-hmm. came about with the Roe versus Wade mm-hmm. um, in the nineteen seventies, um, and that was really it was focused on yes, like women need the choice to not have a pregnancy, right. um, which we affirm here mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yes we, do. Yes, we <laughs> yes, we do. very much. So. <laughs> very much. Um, but that doesn't really tell the whole story because that kind of tagline and that kind of movement was really popular um, and made for wealthy, educated white women. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what that did was really marginalize the experiences of women of color Mm -hmm. who had a very different trajectory in the United States leading up to that point. Mm -hmm. So whereas white women were, you know, trying to get the right to vote in the 1920s, um, trying to get contraception legal, um, the, Birth control pill wasn't
1: actually FDA approved and legalized until 1960. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And before the pill, I know that part of the in like U.S. history, what people don't understand is that women were seeking abortion, like yes. if through back alleyways, like yes. the coat hanger. When people don't understand what a coat hanger means, mm-hmm. when we see it in uh, women's marches, yes, it is an atrocious part of history when it comes yes. to reproductive autonomy. Mm-hmm. Yes, by right? the fact that women were dying because they didn't mm-hmm. have access to the pill. Well we now coined the term, the pill. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. The oral contraceptive pill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's part of it too, right? So
2: Women in in like the 1920s and stuff like that, when um, people like Margaret Sanger, Mm -hmm. who is the one that's largely coined as championing the legalization of the pill and the development of the pill, Mm -hmm. was going around and trying to like get this project started of like, can we legalize birth control? Um, It was not legal to give out even like pamphlets of information about contraception at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this is kind of the space where Margaret Sanger is like, okay, but we have a high rates of infant and maternal mortality um, and we we need to correct this. And if we just gave people access to contraception, that was comprehensive, that actually like worked, right? Like we could solve so many of these problems and, and give women better access to quality life because it's right. not like it's easy to lose a child. No, at all, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something where I feel like, um, for people who are anti-abortion and believe that life starts at conception, mm-hmm. they can also they can be very unkind to women because mm-hmm. we kind of treat abortion like it's this, um, what, how do you say that? Like no consequence option for women. Mm. Um, but that's just simply not the case. Right. It's not easy for women to opt into abortion, right? right? Like it is a painful medical process. Mm-hmm. It is an intense medical process. They have to put you under. You need somebody mm-hmm. there to to take care of you and take you right. home after you get an abortion Um, and when it's illegal that's not stopping women from getting abortions it's just stopping them from having comprehensive options in terms of safety and things like that right because Um,
1: it's not about it's not like you can get four abortions a year Right, right. That's not what we're saying. Right. The moment when they're like, I want access to free reproductive health care or safe reproductive Mm health care. It means if I, I, my economic background shouldn't Mm -hmm. displace me because of this. Yes. I should have access to all the information that I need to make this kind of decision. Because forming a human being within us and also getting, having to get rid of one because of the circumstances. Yes. Right. It's Mm -hmm. not easy no i no decision is like oh yeah okay i'm gonna go get an abortion like that's not what it is it's not a scot-free process like you don't just get to
2: get out and like there's trauma there too right you don't just move on after that like Mm -hmm. oh like thank god i got that over with okay now time for my 12 p.m like lunch appointment right no No. It's, it's not that simple and like women carry that shame and that burden of that Oftentimes because of the social conversations around abortion and and how um, Mm -hmm. difficult that can be for women. And so this is the situation that um, white women largely, again, found themselves in in the 60s and 70s and wanting to just kind of to advocate for Mm -hmm. um, we need an ability to get an abortion. We have access to birth control, the birth control pill now, and that's becoming more and more popular, although. Mm Um, It was really expensive. So back when it first hit the market Mm -hmm. in 1960, um, within the first year or so, we had 500,000 women in the United States using it regularly, but it was... $10 Ten dollars a packet um and in the 1960s that's equivalent to like $80 $85 wow. per thing
1: and each um, packet had what like a month it was worth. a month's worth yeah Oh my God. so $80 essentially $80, $80 for 30 pills
2: yes for 30 pills wow and you know so that was only and it, it wasn't like insurance covered it or anything mm-hmm. so that was only accessible mm-hmm. to wealthy women mm-hmm. and the way that works out in the United States is wealth and race get conflated and work together in such a way that that means we're talking about white women mostly, yes. mm-hmm. because um, women of color did not have access to those upper echelons of, of, of wealth mm-hmm. um, that we see like white women able to achieve, mm-hmm. which is some bullshit. And that's I have awesome. a lot of feelings about
1: that. <laughs> and actually, if you would like to follow Abby's own podcast, it's called, well, that's a problem. And don't worry, we will link all of this together because she has a podcast on social issues. It's an everyday concept. Is that how it's uh, like yeah. called the it? the tagline is a social justice podcast on everyday issues. Yes, so I will totally link all of this so you have to follow her because I think an amazing topic, not the only topic she will be talking about, but it is amazing to know that there's everyday things going on that yeah. is that the fact when I hear people say, oh, like, that's too political, I don't want to take a position on that, that is taking a political stance.
2: Yes, there's no such thing as neutrality anymore. <laughs> like, we just can't. And, and if we try to say that, it's just an illusion because we don't understand the dynamics that are going on in our lives, which is what I like to talk about on my podcast. Is like, it- you think this, this is a total bin nine issue or this is something petty that we shouldn't care about but like it's really about these larger social issues and constructs that are working in our lives to put us in these positions and give us burden and give us shame and give us all
1: types of feelings yeah you know check me out if you're interested in that (laughs) and you should so moving on from the 60s and 70s i think i want you to also talk about Mm -hmm. why latinas should care about reproductive justice and before we do that i want to give everybody some quick facts that i got from the california latinas for reproductive justice Organization, check them out. It's a great nonprofit org that just gives us an insight about how Latinas think about reproductive justice. Not only that, but also the Latinx community in general. First of all, nearly seven in ten respondents that the California. Latinas for Reproductive Justice surveyed say that while they may not choose an abortion for themselves or their partners, they would protect that right and not take that decision away from women. That's saying 70% of respondents say that while they may not have an abortion themselves, they still want other people to have the right to have an abortion. Following that, 61% of the respondents agree that the amount of money that a woman has or does not have should not determine whether or not she could have an abortion when she needs one. Money should not be determinant Now this is very important. Some people forget that medical procedures are very expensive. So expensive. So expensive, <laughs> and even good insurance companies, like let's be honest, we don't all have access to good insurance companies, no, we don't. and especially health, like healthcare insurance in general, right. they don't even cover an IUD. They don't even cover the pill. Like you have to go outside of your yep. healthcare provider to have access to the pill like I'm not even saying abortion okay I'm saying the pill I'm saying IUD okay right. which is why it's so important to have right. programs and organizations like Planned Parenthood yes. that offer these, yes that offer these services for free mm-hmm. I TMI but I got my IUD from Planned Parenthood that's amazing because they said okay listen we have it for free you qualify do you want it uh hell yes and now mm-hmm. for the next 12 years, I don't gotta worry about nothing. Right. And this is all provided to me for free. Having access, again, money should not be a determinant right. for your access to healthcare. And our little last bit of a fact, mm-hmm. 78% of the participants who were surveyed by the California Latinas Reproductive Justice say that women, right? The of the participants agree that a woman has the right to make her own personal and private decisions about abortion without politicians interfering. So, 78% of respondents agree that our decisions should be protected. No politician should be making a decision about our lives, our bodies, especially when most of the politicians making the decisions about how much the pill costs, mm-hmm. the access to healthcare, and if women should have the right to even have an abortion or not are men. I'm sorry, but if you don't have a uterus, you don't have any opinion on what to do with my body. Right. That's just. Bottom line, and then when you're not even a politician that understands the plight of a minority woman, like a woman of color, hello, what are you doing? Right, right. You should have sat down a long time ago. But if you're not already sitting, be seated. (laughs) Yes, please. Somebody get this man a chair. Right, and tell him to shut up. Right, because it it that's the biggest issue when I read all these op-eds, when I read articles about politicians making decision, like mm-hmm. what was it well, not, probably not ohio maybe a place like alabama yeah, or that we know about it <laughs> that abortion isn't even an option even if you are a victim of sexual assault of rape or of incest yes so are you kidding me that is right. law is protected but let me repeat this for y'all it is protected by law that a woman who is a victim of sexual assault rape or incest cannot get an abortion by the state did, did you understand that right she cannot right so just absolutely not. absolutely not so let me tell you this is a problem right and abby take us down the road about why latinas My Guerrero should care about this. Okay,
2: well, first of all, there are just so many reasons. Okay, so let's take us back to the white women in the 1960s and 70s, right? Take us back to disco time. Right. (laughs) All we want to do is talk more about white women, right? (laughs) Absolutely not. We've said enough about them. But that's the thing. Like, this is the common discourse that we have about women's rights and what women's rights looks like. And the kind of conversation is really dominated by that narrative of women want the right to their own body and women, and like what that specifically means Mm -hmm. is women want a right to an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, reproductive justice started coming into play. Um, There's an organization that's based in Boston called the Kumbahi River Collective Mm -hmm. and in the early 1970s they're a group of black feminist lesbians Mm -hmm. who got together and they were like look we are not included in this discourse like this movement, this reproductive rights movement isn't responding to our needs in our community and undermines our history Mm. Um, and then later in the 1990s is when um, a group of black women scholars got together and we're like, yeah, you're absolutely right. These do not like include us and include our story and whatever. Um, and so they coined the phrase reproductive justice. Okay. Um, and so what reproductive justice is defined as, is it has a couple of parts, a few things. Okay. So it emphasizes the right to bodily autonomy. Number okay. one. Yes. It's, Talking about the right to have or to not have children. Mm -hmm. So, right, abortion is an issue that is part of it, but certainly not the only thing or the biggest Mm -hmm. thing to emphasize, right? And also to raise and parent the children that they have in safe, healthy, and supportive environments. This really came out of a place of, of, right, responding to. Um, this white women dominated narrative Mm. because while white women were fighting for the right to not have children, women of color were fighting for the right to have children. So this goes back a long time. So in 1907, the beautiful state of Indiana in which I now reside was on the books with the first um, legalized, so state-supported, forced sterilization law. Um, And this is part of the eugenics movement, which is all about purifying the genetic pool for society and getting rid of quote unquote, like undesirable traits in the gene pool, which means getting rid of undesirable people or taking the ability of undesirable people's right to reproduce
1: away from them. Right. And undesirable people were anybody that's not white. Yes. Yes.
2: And anybody (laughs) with disabilities, mental health issues, Mm -hmm. um, gay people, just like Mm -hmm. anybody that didn't fit. And what um, a lot of people don't know is, so when we talk about eugenics, we can, uh, a good example is like Hitler and the Nazis and the work that right. they did, um, exterminating millions of Jewish people and dis- people with disabilities and queer people. Um, but Hitler actually got his ideas about eugenics and about the purity of the human race, like needing to be white and whatever, from the United States. <laughs> Lovely. Right, right. <laughs> so we think that like, oh, like, yeah, Germany was the word. Like, no, they got it from us. So like, mm. we need to own up to that. Mm. Okay. That kind of started this trajectory in the United States where it was completely legal, and supported by, you know, politicians and stuff like that for doctors to forcibly sterilize. So without consent, taking away someone's ability to reproduce while people were going into the doctor. So they would go into the doctor seeking medical care mm-hmm. and would walk out with vasectomies or tubal ligations or complete hysterectomies. So, you know, like getting your tubes tied or right. the complete removal of the uterus and other reproductive organs in the female body. And a lot of times like they would not know that this happened. to so them. So this will happen without their consent. Yes, mm-hmm. completely without consent. Mm-hmm. And it's not okay. Um, and this was particularly impactful for women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the narrative around reproductive justice, because it started, um, from within like a group of black scholars mm-hmm. this really does focus on black women but it's not like reproductive justice is for everyone i'm going to say that again because i think it's really important right reproductive justice is for everyone it is for men and women
1: and mm-hmm. children and minorities and majorities and it's for everyone like no no part of your identity should stop you from seeking for reproductive health care right now that like reproductive Healthcare is not just for women. And then when people hear women, they assume, right, cis women, yes. like women that were born women right. and identify with mm-hmm. the gender given at birth. But yeah. reproductive justice is also for trans women and trans men, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And the fact that places like Planned Parenthood offer medication for our yes. trans brothers and sisters, are we forgetting that they are also part of the conversation? Like, right, right this is something we need to focus on, right? So again, reproductive justice is. For everyone. everyone. Love. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now
2: that we've got that squarely <laughs> on the docket, right? Let's talk specifically about Latino women, though, because, mm-hmm. again, yes. when we're focusing so much on Black women and that is kind of the dominant discourse, mm-hmm. not that that's not important, but that does take away from our ability to tap into how could this relate to other minority groups of yes. women. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a great documentary out there that I highly recommend you all watch. It's called No Mas Bebes. Mm-hmm. And it is all about how and this took place in California, Southern California, L.A. Um, this history of Latino women going into the doctor, oftentimes like going in to give birth Mm -hmm. and walking out sterilized. And this documentary does a great job of talking about these issues and getting perspectives from women who are directly affected. Mm -hmm. So what would happen was they would go in to give birth. And in, you know, like they're in labor, like going through contractions. Like I can't even imagine no. um, the, the pain and like the lack of concentration and focus. Mm-hmm. And then they're just asked by their doctors, their trusted medical professionals who they expect to, you know, advocate for them and do all that stuff. They would just sign papers. And those papers ended up saying like, oh yeah, let me gave you this we're going to give you this procedure to sterilize you. Or they would say like, oh, there were complications in the birth. And now we need to do this. And right? now we need to do this procedure. And, you know, acting like it was so necessary, it was the right medical move. And because they're doctors, right? There's not much you can do. You don't feel like you can do anything to
1: advocate for yourself against that. Right. And, and all so it's, it's already done by the time you hear about it. So yeah, you're supposed to, you know, last time I heard, trust doctors. Right, right. They're supposed <laughs> to be like, Experts in their field whose (laughs) like sole mission is to
2: do what's best for you and your health. Absolutely. Um, but That was the solution by the state to Mm -hmm. manage the undesirable population of Latina like Latinx people Mm -hmm. who are coming up from Mexico and other Central American countries Mm -hmm. fleeing political violence. I have so much (laughs) to say about that but Um, Yeah. And so and a lot of the women like in the documentary, you can hear their voices saying things like, you know, I wasn't fluent in English or the doctor did not take the time to explain it to me in a way that I could understand. There wasn't a translator present, like all of these things, which are all components of consent. Like you deserve the right to be informed about what is happening to your body and being done by medical professionals in a language that you understand in whatever language you are most comfortable receiving that. So if you say, I can proceed with this in English, that's a different issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like they were given
1: that option. No, so right? these women were sterilized against their consent. Yes. And so again, the documentary is called No Mas Bebes, so No More Babies. And it talks about Latina women mm-hmm. who were sterilized. Mm-hmm. And for you know, some people would hear them be like, that's not possible. It's more. It's actually. It has happened so many times. Yes. In history, I also remember. My goodness, the Tuskegee Trials. Yes. Where they injected the African, like African American and Puerto Rican community with syphilis. Yeah, with syphilis, yes. without their consent. Like I, these were doctors. Yeah. Doing this, creating this, just yeah. because of a medical trial, and now. Yeah, they're they just taking- wanted to see
2: what happened to the human body, and they chose people of color to do this on because the idea was, um, first of all, we don't want them here anyway we don't need more of them and we don't like them and this is a great way to control them and we clearly don't care enough about their lives
1: to treat them like human beings this just brings me back to think how issues like reproductive justice and my goodness immigration yes are all gendered and racial topics yes oh all the time all the time like the fact that the way that you're going to control a minority population is by sterilizing that population yes and the other is by injecting them with a deadly disease yes excuse me right and this is all federally funded
2: yes this is supported like it's not like even if these already marginalized and disenfranchised women were in a position to organize and pursue legal action which like Mm -hmm. eventually you know there are more cases of this in the United States, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, More we, cases of them. Of them advocating Yes, Yeah, so I was like, oh, sorry. no, no, so it's Seeking awesome. justice. No, absolutely not. We do not. But, like, even if they were, like, the state would come back and be like, sorry, like, you're shut out of luck. Like,
1: mm-hmm. we just, we,
2: you know, the doctor did it. You can't, you know, there's no repercussions. There's no accountability to the doctors. And there's footage on the documentary of, like, the mayor of L.A., I think it is, mm-hmm. who is basically just, like, oh, you know, like, that wasn't really the purpose. It wasn't about population control. But then it cuts to, like, other, like, documents and speeches and things. Mm -hmm. But that suggests that, like, no, absolutely. Like, this was intentional, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. was because that population needed to be controlled in the eyes of the California government and in the eyes of, like, other politicians in the, like, LA community. So it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just a few rogue doctors. It was a systemic issue and a systemic mindset of, the people who are in
1: charge and in positions of power at the time and i'm glad that you brought up that this was you know this happened in california so many people have this assumption that you know you're from Mm -hmm. california everybody's Mm -hmm. so progressive everybody's so blue everybody's pro choice all these things no Mm -hmm. (laughs) No. (laughs) history says otherwise
2: right right and we need to be able to acknowledge that complexity right that Mm -hmm. like now there are a lot of ways in which california is more progressive than a lot of other places like say i don't know indiana right (laughs) but like we have to live with the complexity of like we have a shitty history that we're not talking about Mm -hmm. and the fact that we're not talking about it further marginalizes and disenfranchises the women that were directly affected Mm -hmm. and we have to sit with that and we have to figure out okay in that space how can we align ourselves with the ideas of reproductive justice that say no Women have the right to the, to bodily autonomy, to know and be consented into everything that is going on with their bodies at all times okay. in a way that they, are, that they find accessible and easy to understand and mm-hmm. where they can really make the best decisions possible. They need to be able to make decisions to have or not have children. Mm-hmm. And lastly, they need to be able to raise those children in safe and sustainable communities. So this brings me to the way that immigration is also related to reproductive justice. Y'all, women need to be able to raise their children in places where they are not worried that they or their children are going to be ripped out of their homes from ICE agents who do not know what the fuck they're doing and just putting people in cages and doing all this nasty bullshit and treating people like animals. Like I am not okay with this. And this is a reproductive justice issue as well. So reproductive justice says it's more than abortion. If you can't live in your home safely and raise your child in a community that is supportive and like treating people like humans,
1: mm-hmm. we're not okay with this and we don't stand for this. I com- no, I <laughs> am so for this because some people assume that, you know, immigration and racism or sexism or reproductive mm-hmm. justice and police brutality, they're all completely different entities. While they are different subjects, mm-hmm. they come together in a way. The yes. fact that immigration is a reproductive justice issue yes right because having your child with you and having a space in which like you can nurture your child and Mm -hmm. not be afraid of repercussions Mm -hmm. because you wanted to have better access to a better life right heaven forbid heaven forbid you wanted healthcare. right right? um this is also an issue that we should care about which i think leads us to the following like the not the most important but like What I want the listeners to hear from you Mm -hmm. is first, and okay, Guerreras, this is going to be another episode that I need to talk to you all about. I'm really disappointed that I don't see Latinas at the forefront of women's issues. I don't see y'all at the marches. I don't see y'all talking about feminism. And I understand there's some history where we believe that feminism is not meant for us. But let me tell you again, feminism is for everyone. The problem was that when it was created, it was not for everyone correct. And now that we we're changing the discourse of women's issues and we're changing mm-hmm. the discourse about feminism in itself yes. and the theory and the movement, I need my hermanas mm-hmm. to be in the movement. And I'm not seeing y'all there, but the tea will come in another episode. What I want Abby to tell us all is what can we as Latina, what should we do? What should we be involved in? Any organizations that we should be supporting? Or more than anything, why it is important to have women of color in these spaces? Why, yeah. why should Latinas even care about reproductive justice, I guess, is like. Bottom line, I think, first of all, everyone
2: should care, but Latinas should care about reproductive justice because, like, this is part of the history that we're not talking about, right? Mm-hmm. This, this dialogue of Latina women's reproductive rights were taken away from them in a really systematic way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like being able to reclaim that and be part of the movement that is going to change that is going to directly impact everyone mm-hmm. in the Latinx community mm-hmm. right and so there's a lot of space for Latino women to show up mm-hmm. and to say hey we care about these issues mm-hmm. you know like I'm not going to support politicians who ignore this mm-hmm. history who ignore mm-hmm. the, the baggage that comes with that mm-hmm. I think that there there are a lot of organizations
1: out there, like the what is that? Cal the, the California Latinos for Reproductive Justice.
2: I love that organization so much. I always get the the acronym screwed up. because I'm like, eh, what <laughs> order do the words go in? But yes, that's a really great organization because they are speaking directly to the community that we're talking about, right? In this history of women in California who are Latina being targeted by the state and being oppressed. With
1: Literally what it was. It was right. the state government right. disenfranchising yeah. and like, violating the rights yes. of Latinas in yeah. California. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so
2: there's, <laughs> they're there and they're speaking out and mm-hmm. they do a lot of outreach and programming and they provide a lot of information. So I would highly recommend if it hasn't been stressed enough, checking them out. I think that that's so important.
1: Um,
2: and I also think like white people need more of this narrative of like, Hey guys, like you have to make space for us because it's been too long. And I also think, I think that a lot of the initiative also needs to be on white people to say we need to, actively make space okay and educate ourselves on these narratives to say we need to make space for women of color mm-hmm. in the women's march right the women's march was very white like you can look at instagram you can look
1: at hashtags like- however it was created by the most diverse group of women i've seen right, right. like the, right. the the people that the women that created the women's march are arab queer black latina they're minority women right. but the people that are just showing up to the march yes. are not minorities right and right. so that's very uh, that's a discrepancy between who's leading it yeah who's showing up that are that's it, not the same thing so white white people need to do a better job of knowing this history
2: right and like mm-hmm. knowing about it's not just about abortion there mm-hmm. are so many other issues that affect people differently yes. and that that matters right mm-hmm. like I, as a white person, cannot sit here and be like, oh, yeah, I just really want the right to my own body, ignoring the fact or being ignorant to the fact that that is not the history that is shared by every woman, right? That there are these these differences that white women were not affected by. And so I feel like I just want to empower Latino women to say, I know about this now and now I can advocate for my community in a different way, Mm -hmm. in in a strategic way. And seeing the relationship between immigration issues and reproduction issues, I think is really important because of
1: how serious the immigration situation has been in the United States recently. More than anything, for the end of of this moment, what is not even advice, right? Mm -hmm. But when we're really talking about what us as women, because listen, I yes, I need my white women and my white allies to make space for us but also that means that my my community has to step up and that's what i don't see i don't see my community stepping up for reproductive justice i don't see Mm -hmm. my community standing up for the wage gap right Mm -hmm. and that's so pro this is one of the main reasons i started guerreras because i want to be able to empower my community Mm -hmm. latinas to Get up and do something about what's going on. Because issues that are currently happening in America mm-hmm. don't only just affect white women or black women. Yeah. Like yeah. it also affects us Latinas. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to say something about it. Mm-hmm. So I find it super problematic when my community just says, well, somebody else is going to deal with this issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I am mm-hmm. sorry, you also can be victimized yes. by any of these oppressions that are currently happening. Yes. <laughs> Racism and like does not script. Like yeah. if somebody's racist, they're going to be racist towards you as well. Yes. If somebody's oh, sexist, yeah. they're Going to be sexist towards you as well mm-hmm. so why are we not putting like why are we not also carrying the weight of what yeah. it means to create a movement and be really present in exactly space. like yes. this is exactly what latinas should be doing be present mm-hmm. in the movement and i'm just, just saying the women's movement but honestly that is kind of what i'm saying i don't see latinas in the feminist movement i don't right. see latinas constantly advocating for feminism or gender equity mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. that affect women of color disproportionately yes,
2: oh, yes. so
1: question. With, exactly so i think that is one of my biggest issues when i have to constructively criticize my own community mm-hmm. some people look at me and they already know what i'm about right? They they can already kind of stereotype what i do yeah. but when they hear me talk or when I do share what I'm into they're like damn like I don't really meet a lot of Latinas who are into the whole movement that do all these things yeah Yeah, unfortunately there's not that many of us Mm -hmm. and I find that so problematic that some people feel that I am a speaker for the movement I would love to be one of the speakers but I am not the speaker I don't speak for my community just Mm. as a whole Um, because how can any one person be the
2: voice of an entire community yes like that that doesn't make sense no nothing (laughs) that's also, yeah. too
1: much pressure. And diversity <laughs> in the Latinx community. Surprise. Surprise. There's like right. over 40 countries that count as Latinx. So I cannot just speak for everybody. I kind of want to hear also to seek reproductive justice. Mm. Right to advocate for reproductive justice. You're yeah. doing your dissertation. Let me remind you all that Abby is a PhD student at Purdue. She's about to do her dissertation. That's a big deal. Big, a big deal. It is a big deal. I'm kind of scared, but I'm excited. At the same time. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not in just doing your doctorate because it's. It's your hobby. You actually want something out of it.
2: For all of you out there, if (laughs) getting your doctorate is just a hobby for you, call me. (laughs) I'm scared for you. Like, I'll give you a hug. (laughs) I'll
1: give you a hug because uh, that is some intense thing because you're going to become an expert. Like this time next year, you're an expert in the field. Yeah, which is insane to me. I love this. I love (laughs) to be able to be like text an expert on reproductive justice. Right, right. Um, But hello, expert. What is one piece of advice, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of women of color, just in general, that you would give somebody that wants to get involved in the reproductive justice movement? Because maybe Mm -hmm. for a lot of the listeners, they are down for the movement. They're down for the cause, but they don't know where to start, where to start. Yeah. And I get that question a lot
2: um, because I do teach in the sociology department at Purdue. I taught a social problems class in May. Mm -hmm. um, And my goal for that was just to connect people to organizations books places to look online because yeah, yeah it's hard like mm-hmm. where do you start or one of the approaches i took was people you guys can follow on instagram or twitter yes. or organizations and things like that we stand a social movement online I guess. right <laughs> i guess it's a good place to start because it helps you get informed on the issues without disrupting you don't have to go out of your way right, right. it's already on your feed you're just gonna see it you're gonna scroll past it mm-hmm. um so if you don't follow um Boto Latino.
1: Love, you... them. Love them so much. Yes. Actually, so Maria great. Teresa Kumar is one of my role models. Yes. I met her oh, in 2015. No. Yes. I so totally wanted to work for her when I lived in D.C. that year. And yes. I bumped into her in a coffee shop by my school. And I was no. just like, hello, you don't know me. I totally know who you are. And she's just like, I get this a lot. Right. I am like, famous. I, I am. So if you don't know Boto Latino, it's like the largest grassroots voting engagement organization yeah. for just getting Latinos registered to vote. So you're looking for an internship, you're looking for some facts on the Latino vote, follow voto Latino.
2: Yeah, and they've been posting a lot on Instagram lately about ways to advocate for um your undocumented friends or mm-hmm. other people in the community who mm-hmm. are undocumented, mm-hmm. um, and saying things like, "So if ICE shows up to someone's house or if ICE shows up to a public space and wants to check everyone's IDs, like you know, these are the things that you can do to be an advocate, and these are things." Mm-hmm. And so they're really speaking up on that immigration piece that we talked about as being so pivotal for creating a safe space for people of all walks to really to like raise their children safely and mm-hmm. to parent safely and all those things. So that's something I would really recommend is just like educate yourself on those issues. I would also say if you're following organizations like um, Color Latina, which is a reproductive justice organization based in Denver, Colorado, they're another really great one to get involved with. Um, Young Women United is based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They're pushing a lot of the same messages. So I think like really just immersing yourself in what are the issues and What are these organizations doing to advocate and how can I weave myself into that? And also you should follow Sister Song, um, which is one of the original organizations of reproductive justice. They're based in Atlanta and they do a lot of community outreach and things like that. Um, so for those who don't know where to start I say start there like start on social media start with the stuff
1: that you're already looking at a million times a day because we're all addicted and obsessed right it's like an attached it's an organ yeah already like yeah. our phones it's attached mm-hmm. in my hand 24 yeah. 7 unfortunately I'm trying to break that habit
2: <laughs> right like same but then it never works and i have also I've also just kind of resolved myself personally to being like All right. So if this is a space where I go to distract myself or to escape or just because I need something to do with my hands, like I'm going to make this a space where I'm constantly engaged in issues that affect my community and people like me and also people beyond that. Right. And really expanding what it means to be engaged on those issues. And so I would say start with social media. Start with just like learning about organizations that are already doing the work. Like you don't have to start an organization. You don't have to start a movement by yourself. Like it's already in place. It's already going. And then just really question how can you fit yourself into that.
1: But if the movement or the organization does not exist, go do it. Yeah, go do it. Please go do it. Please go do it. Please go do it because I believe you are not the only one who has thought that some things are an issue, and maybe we, you are the person that we have all been waiting for to stand up and get us involved. Yeah, Abby, you say to look up through social media, some of these organizations. And also, y'all, there's documentaries. Yes. Google a documentary, right. a YouTube video. Get yes. knowledge because... Watch No Mas Bebes. Like, yeah, watch No Mas Bebes. And let's also remember that we have access to so much information. Which that is it, often overwhelming. Yes, very much. <laughs> also, like, ask yourself, like, is this
2: Googleable? Can I type in what is reproductive justice? How does it affect the Latinx community? What can I do about it? Mm -hmm. Yes. If the answer is yes, which to all those questions,
1: the answer is yes, Yes. (laughs) then do that. It's not too hard. It's not too hard. Also, we recognize that some of us may not have access to a computer or to a smartphone, but also, Abby... I think that the Guerreras listeners are going to appreciate this episode. Oh, I hope
2: so. Oh, it was fun.
1: yes, no, And for everybody listening, make sure that if you have any questions regarding what this episode was about, you can always follow Guerreras in Instagram at Guerreras underscore CR and send us a message. Send us, you know what, maybe I agree, maybe I don't like this, but not that. Or maybe you know of an organization that we totally should shout out in our next episode. Because you know what, I want you to use this platform to also advocate and share knowledge about some organizations that I may not know about. Maybe some organizations that you are involved in, that you want other Latinas to be in. I'm pretty sure so many of us would appreciate that.
2: And what a great way to keep the conversation going under productive Mm -hmm. justice and giving other people resources for getting involved and making a change. Like, Mm -hmm. we need you to help us get jumpstart that information and get that going. So like, please, Post, get that information out there. Mm-hmm. Use your voice, advocate. All right, it's like
1: social media can go so far. It can. Like honestly, a viral video about a turtle eating a strawberry went like two million views. Right. I want two million views on somebody educating me on reproductive justice, but yes. you know what? It's not gonna happen because yeah. that does not go viral No, but we're gonna try and make it go viral right but
2: well, that's part of the problem right when like, you have this erasure of this complete story this discourse this movement in social spaces and social like pop media and whatever but like how cool would it be to like scroll through what's trending right now oh reproductive justice is trending on
1: twitter like yeah and not because there's a protest or not because somebody's reproductive justice rights were taken away right but because it's something positive like yeah. reproductive justice has been achieved yes which is a huge issue that will come up in the 2020 election if you don't know that let me tell you something I have my list of bets of what's going to come up for the 2020 arguments and reproductive justice better be one because it is the first time we have over four women at the presidential debate stage historic okay four years ago we only had one woman in the debate stage now we have more than four think about that Okay, so if reproductive justice is not part of the DNC's debate, I'm gonna be real disappointed because it can't just be. And also, don't just ask the women about what their thoughts are on reproductive justice. Call the
2: men out for being lazy, for not knowing enough, for not knowing their Mm -hmm. sins, or
1: praise the men who dare
2: to say things like, Oh, yeah, this is fucked up and we need to
1: do something about this. Right, like, okay, everybody in that stage that is a man except for Pete Buttigieg is with a woman. Yeah, true. <laughs> Even Cory Booker, who is not married, has a girlfriend. So every other man except Pete has a long relationship with a woman in their life. Yes. So they, And they, Pete
2: has a mom. Yes, Pete has a mom. Maybe. I don't exactly. actually know. Yeah, I me mean, neither, actually. actually. <laughs> anyway.
1: So, but that means that you also get to have an opinion. That doesn't mean that you get to decide what happens. Because a woman should have the right to decide what happens with her body yes. when it comes to abortion, anything else. But that doesn't mean that it's not an issue that I need the men to say something about. Yeah. Like, I would like for them to be like, if you disagree, then that's your problem. But I also would love to know yes. is what is your stance on the Equal Rights Amendment? What is your stance on access to reproductive health services? Yeah. Yes or no? That's about it. It's a yes or no answer. You're right. in it or not for it. That's I'm just that kind of person, Abby, if you yeah. haven't already figured out in the past six no. weeks. I'm yeah. the yes or no, no gray area. It is or it isn't. <laughs> so I'm looking at you, Julian and Corey and Kamala, and Michelle Williamson is so. Mm. <laughs> I have no idea how she's still on the debate stage, right. but it's just for but then the same thing was with Donald Trump. Right. And, then he, and then we're oh. like, God damn it! <laughs> right. And
2: here we are.
1: And here we are. And like,
2: let's remember like the power that men have because they are in positions of power yes. on these issues, right? They're the ones deciding. What happens to women's bodies, Mm -hmm. how powerful it is for men who have a public platform to say, I stand with women and I have a comprehensive understanding of women's issues Mm -hmm. and like their bodies and like what they need in terms Mm -hmm. of they're asking for these things Mm -hmm. and I'm just echoing them like Mm -hmm. that's
1: powerful. And and then we go into power dynamics about yes. how even men, minority men, are more powerful than minority women yes. for the fact that they're men. And that's something for another episode. Right. But so many, so many more episodes to come because I would love Abby to be a regular in the show. I guess we're just going to have to travel across the country to do this. Right. Or there should be a way. There should be, but there should we'll be a way. Right. But without further ado, Guerreras, thank you for listening to today's episode. I know it was a little lengthy, but the whole purpose of Guerreras is to educate you all about issues that are currently impacting the Latinx community. That doesn't mean just immigration. It means reproductive rights. It means access to affordable education. Honestly, because education is a right and not a privilege, okay? But that's another episode. Oh, my goodness, so many episodes. But because I want our listeners, regardless of their like Latina or not, to be educated on issues that impact the community that they are surrounded by. So for all of our allies out there that are listening, thank you for doing so, because I hope that this only educates you further and also supporting the fellow Latinas in your life. And for my Latinas, support your sisters, girls. Like, what is happening? The fact that so many of us are like, that is your issue, not my issue. How? 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 What? How? Yeah, I'm sorry, hermanas, but This is a movement and I need y'all to be part of this. So, Abby, thank you so much for educating us on reproductive justice. Oh, Anytime and every time. (laughs) Anytime and every time. I honestly, if any of you know us in real life, every time you have a conversation with either of us, it's going to be a lecture.
0: Yeah, the truth comes out. It just has to.
1: It just has to. I am sorry, but our friendship is just giving you knowledge. That's part of the contract, really. I think it's a pretty great thing to do. Honestly, yes. I (laughs) value it so much. Well, Abby, thank you. Yes. And Guerreras, follow us on social media, and we will see you in next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.